This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online and I'm going to open up this can of worms and uh, we'll see how it works <laughs> for me. Um, it's the uh, it's the age-old debate that uh, men and women have had with each other. Uh, it's and it's uh, it's very it's very touchy and I'll try to be careful. Uh, it's the what is the proper state of the toilet seat when the toilet is not in use? Now, I've, I think I've talked about this before on this show a long time ago, but it came up again on Facebook. Uh, a Facebook friend of mine made some statement and some questions looking to maybe get a, a better understanding of why, and he's a guy, why this is a thing. You know, so he opened it up for discussion, and it was quite an involved discussion, it turned out to be, on the, uh, on the Facebook. Uh, I will say that uh, uh, all the parties involved, at least as far as I saw, uh, treated each other fairly civilly. There, there wasn't name calling. There was a just a just there was a moment where it could have gone off the rails, but it didn't. And uh, I'll talk about that in a bit. I, it just you, you get the back and forth. Now, um, as I was reading through this, and I made a couple of statements or comments on there, and. Uh, I, I was having this the position of, uh, of course, being a guy, being on the men's team, um, my position was th- that, uh, well, um, I thought about talking about it on the show, which I'm doing right now, and I had initially dis- thought that I would uh, wrap up the segment by saying, you know, in conclusion, uh, m- you know, men, you know... If you're living with women and you want to be a nice guy <laughs> and you don't want to be yelled at about where the toilet seat is, just put it down. Put the seat down. It's not its not that much effort. It really isn't. Um, it, it's nice. It's considerate. So do it. It's not a big deal. And women... I would suggest that you stop blaming men for your inattentiveness. 
Now, see, now that was going to be the way I was going to end conclude it. Uh, <laughs> have I lost all the women? Uh, Trisha, are you still there? Uh, it, but but the discussion got me thinking because getting some more input from women and what's going on there, I started thinking. Um, you know, I hadn't looked at it that way. Again, being a guy, uh, I I just I'm sort of on the man's the men's team. You know, in most things, it's just kind of you know it's just how it is. You just kind of default to that. You just, oh yeah, well, and uh, there was the, the the thing that I said I was I was going to get to, and where it got close, it got a little bit close. Uh, there was talk about how um, having to urgently go, and you know, and um, I think some of the guys were saying, "Well, you know, we know what that's like." And and there was at least one woman in there took a little exception—I won't say offense; I'll say exception—to a couple comments that was said, and then she she remarked by saying, essentially. You know, don't mansplain to me about how women's bladders are, something like that. But she used the term mansplain, which is one of the newer terms that's come up. And um, I'll be honest with you, I don't particularly care for the term mansplain. Now, I'll tell you why. I mean, I understand, at least I think I understand, what it's supposed to mean. Uh, it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and you can do that by emailing me at drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. Give me an email. Let me know where I'm wrong, and if you know, I'll correct it. It's, I'll do it. Um, so you might change my mind if I'm if I take a position and you think I'm wrong, but I need some good reasons and some rational discussion and such, uh, good evidence and that kind of thing. But um, it, it, as I understand the term, it's meant to uh, to uh, reflect when you know men on occasion and maybe more than just on occasion will will condescend to the woman uh, in response to her opinion or in a response to her supposed experience or expertise. Where a man might say, "Look, little lady, you're just a girl. What do you know about?" You know, it, and they may not say those exact words, but that is the 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 attitude that is given. So, in that instance, I think very good. That's right, mansplaining. I understand. What I have a problem with, and I what I worry about is that, like a lot of things, it becomes too easy to just default to that whenever a man just disagrees with you or tells you you're wrong about something, you know, has a different opinion. And he's not throwing you the attitude. You know, you're, you're claiming that, you know, you're a woman, let's say, and you're claiming that the Minnesota Twins won 15 World Series in their history and... Uh, you know, going back to the to the Washington Senators, you know, before they moved here to to uh, Minnesota in 1961, you know, she's trying to tell you that, and 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 it, let's say it's me, and I say, uh, no, no, um, 
the, the two Minnesota Twins, including the Washington Senators, going back in the, in the history, have only won three World Series. You know, and if you fire back at me and say, I'm mansplaining to you, I say, no, you're just wrong. You're just, you're just wrong. They didn't win 15 of them. They haven't even been to 15 of them. And they've only won three. The Washington Senators won one. The Twins won two. Okay? So if that gets thrown at you, or if it's an opinion that I just happen to disagree with, and you know, and I'm and I'm hope or or a guy, a man is disagreeing with, uh, with a woman, and and he's not throwing the attitude, but the woman gets exasperated because nobody likes to be told they're wrong, and people like it when you agree with them, and when you don't, you know, it can get frustrating. So, the, you know, she might be tempted to just throw the mansplain at him, and that's sort of a way of uh, telling the guy to shut up. And that's you know that's you know, that's what I think is it's been happening to the word racist. Yeah, it's it's used too easily, and if it's and when it's used too easily, the, the meaning's diluted, and it it it's just doesn't the impact is lessened. So that's a that's where I have a problem there. Now I don't I, I can't recall what led up to her saying that, and I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she was she was getting the sense of that attitude and that's also a problem when you're writing when you're just when you're putting things down in, in words the inflection of the voice can sometimes say I'm being a little sarcastic here or I'm, te I'm teasing or I'm you know I'm not completely serious or these that's that can be displayed through tone and if you're sitting with another person face to face they can read you a little bit better, you know. So that just reading text can be difficult. It's it's you, and when you get sort of in the heat of uh, uh, of of such a discussion, when you're just going through, and you and sometimes you're not thinking out your response quite as well. You know, you got to try and do that, but you can you, misunderstandings can happen. But it didn't go off the rails, and and I like I said, I, I give her the benefit of the doubt that she was catching that vibe, and she wanted to make sure that look, let's not be going into this direction. So, and I think that the that the fellows that were commenting stayed away from that going in that direction, kept it that way. It's, 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 certainly, I did. I tried to because I didn't say a lot, <laughs> for one thing, uh, and the guy who asked the initial question. You know, and and at some point in there, when it got toward the end of uh, the thread or so, I said, you know, this has been a good discussion, and this has got me thinking, and it did. It got me thinking. You know, remember I said at the top there, the conclusion that I was thinking of going to, and and which would not be, which might not sit well with women, and might be, uh, might be in the realm of the mansplain by saying, hey ladies, <laughs> especially if I said, hey ladies, uh, you know. Let's not be blaming men for your inattentiveness. I mean, I've said things like, you know, the difference between men and women when it comes to using the toilet is men look. <laughs> and it kind of is, because you don't often hear guys complaining about somebody left the seat up when they had to take a dump. Because guys do have to go poop, and they do have to do such do so urgently on occasion. So, you know, I mean, we know that feeling. I, I have a friend of mine, and this may be a little indelicate, but the way he puts it, if we're chatting online, and uh, he, he says, says to me, oh, I, uh, I better go to the bathroom uh, before I start to crown. And I think you know what that means. And I know what that means. So uh, he'll say that to me, and so, oh, I understand. <laughs> 
you know, and you'll get in there and it's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to do what you got to do. And so we know what it's like to get the urgency, but we still look at the seat. We still do, uh, it seems, apparently. But what the women in the discussion brought up was uh, quite often uh, women, you know, the type of clothing they wear and sometimes the amount of clothing they wear uh, can it can get in the way or slow you down. You know, with a guy, if he's going pee, if he's doing a number one, pretty much all he's got to do is unzip and, you know, pull the old fella out from the fly of the underwear. And then there are those guys that don't wear underwear, and I just don't want to know, okay? If you don't, that's fine. I don't want to know. There are those other guys that will wear the kind of, uh, uh, I guess I guess you would call it panty-like underwear. And maybe not directly women's underwear, but I mean, you know, men's underwear that don't have a fly. You know, the banana hammock or whatever they call those things. I don't even, I don't want to know that either. In fact, I'd rather n uh, not know that more than I don't want to know that you're not wearing underwear. But it's just, that's just me. Okay. All right. So, so a guy really, that's pretty much what he's got. So, and he's facing the toilet. So he knows the seat's up or down. He's facing the toilet and dudes put the seat up when you're going to go pee. You know, don't, don't, don't try to thread the needle. Just put the seat up and then put it down when you're done. That's easy. But a woman might have, and one of the women was explaining, you know, we got all this stuff going on, and sometimes we might not really have a free hand to get to the, to get the seat down and, and to get, you know, and we really got to go. And, and the way she put it, she said, well, that's just one more thing to do. And that got me thinking. I thought, huh, you know, that's, she's got a good point there. And, you know, the guys, I mean, okay. Yeah. All right. It's it's I, okay. All right. All right. So, so I would I would uh, uh, change my conclusion <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I, I, it, I I I I still have a little bit of that. You know, you should really look. You should you should you know try. But I understand. I understand because sometimes you just gotta. I mean, I as a guy having to take a dump once in a while. I have hit the rim and go, oop, seat's up. I have done that. Uh, it's no fun, <laughs> and you feel dumb. And, and But I've never walked out of the bathroom saying, who left the seat up? I've never done that <clears throat> after one of those times. It hasn't been many. but So I would say that, you know, guys, it's just like I said at the beginning. You know, guys, if you're – and, and, and by the way, this is only, you know, household bathrooms because – you know, public restrooms, men's and women's room, rooms. If a woman is, is, you know, her if her butt hits the rim of a toilet in a women's room, her argument, her problem is not with men; it's with other women. Some woman left that seat up uh, because you know that's it's a woman's room. Uh, so I'm only talking about the the ones at home. So guys, you're living in a house. Men, you're living in a house. You got women in there. You put the seat down. You know, put it up when you go pee. Put it back down when you're done, and it's you, it, it's much nicer. You're courteous, and you're you're thinking about it. And 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 if you've been told that that's the way the woman would like it, then do it. And you know, and the, to the women, you know, 
uh, and, you know, please tell the guy, make sure he knows. That's 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 right there. That should, you know, I mean, he should know. But take it on yourself to say, look, pal, hey, buddy, I want the seat down, okay? I want the seat down. I'm not going to tell you again that seat's down. And then if he if he doesn't get the message and he doesn't put the seat down, then you go to town on him. <laughs> you you yell at him all you want. You give him the one time. Look, I'm telling you, that seat should be down. If you love me at all, if you have any respect for me at all, you will put that seat down. Right? Right? Does that make sense? So, you know, okay. But... In my household, and I do live with a woman, and in the households I've lived in since I was a, so, uh, I was a child, uh, where except for that short period of time when I lived with my friend John, lived in his basement, uh, the the proper position of a toilet seat when not in use, when the toilet is not in use is the seat is down. But the lid is also down. I mean, there's a reason the lid's on there. Uh, there's, there's, I, there's five, five reasons. One, the toilet looks better with the seat and the lid down. It just looks better. Who wants to look into an open bowl? It looks better. Two, it, it's, it makes a nice, convenient seat in the rest in the bathroom uh, that is doesn't feel weird if you're sitting on an, you know on the seat of the toilet and you're not going <laughs> you're not going to go to the bathroom you just need a place to sit down for whatever reason you put your shoes on or you get tired of standing whatever it's it's less it's less gross <laughs> uh, and it's and when you're just using it as a seat so that's two three uh it if you have a uh it's a barrier to dropping something in the bowl that's very important. There was a Seinfeld episode about a toothbrush getting dropped into a bowl where Seinfeld had to break up with the girlfriend because uh, she didn't realize that he dropped the, the, the uh, toothbrush in the bowl. He fished it out, and before he could tell her, she was brushing her teeth with it, and he couldn't kiss her after that. He had to break up with her. And, you know, well, anyway, uh, he could have just thrown it away right away, but I don't... Comedy. Uh, so there's, it's a barrier for th keeping things from falling into the bowl. It also is a barrier if you have dogs, and they're big enough to get their head into that bowl to drink the water. Well, you know, and uh, and four, it keeps the little furry critters that live in the sewers, you know, rats. It keeps them. I know it's pretty rare, but it's happened to me. It's happened to me at my friend John's house. Shortly after I moved in there, I had my own bathroom down in the basement, and. I went up one morning, opened up the, the lid and the seat because that's how I kept the both down because that's how I do it, and opened it up and there it was, a little rat, not that big, it was dead, just floating around in the bowl. Now John is not the sort of guy who's going to go find himself a dead rat and drop it in the bowl on me. He's not. That's not his humor, and and it's just it's just not. <laughs> so I did what you know came natural. I just peed on it and <laughs> and flushed it away, but. It can happen, so be aware of that. That's you know. So that's five reasons why you want to put the lid down. So, as I was saying, after I got through being in the right about this, I'm now going to say this. But 
if you happen to be in my house and you go into the bathroom and it's urgent, I, the seat's down, the lid's down, you have to lift the lid. Isn't that just one more thing to do? And when's the last time you've heard a woman complain that somebody left the lid down on the toilet? Okay. If you don't hate me, please sit through this break and I'll be back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Ztalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll, I'll return after this break to talk about something less controversial. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Outbreaks of whooping cough, or pertussis, are happening across the United States. This serious respiratory disease can be deadly for babies. By getting the whooping cough vaccine, called Tdap, during the third trimester of each pregnancy, women can pass antibodies to their babies to help protect them until they're old enough to receive their own vaccine. Learn more at cdc.gov slash pertussis slash pregnant. That's pertussis, P-E-R-T-U-S-S-I-S. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Redheaded Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ZTalkRadio.com. To Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, and I have the shortest breaks <laughs> in radio. Man, you listen to real radio, terrestrial radio. You put it on your car, and it. it, it I know it's 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 like a it's a confirmation bias thing. If I were to say, you know, every time I turn on the radio to listen to the sports talk station, every time I turn it on, they're in commercial or they're just going to commercial. You know, it's just, I, it, I never, you know, well, that's not true. Because sometimes I tune it in and they're coming out of commercial or they're 
they just got back from commercial. They're in their discussion part of the show, and so that so I have to remind myself, and I do that. Oh, hey, they just came back from commercial. See, and then when I just turned it on, but it seems it, it seems like just about every time I turn it on, they're they're in commercial or going to commercial. It's like, ah, and the commercial breaks. They last so long. <laughs> I it's it's I it's it's like wow that another ad what another ad another ad what well, how many ads so yeah my breaks are at least they feel short to me maybe if I was in real radio those breaks would feel short too anyway so I was just gonna say this and be quick about it uh you know you know I'm a skeptic you know I'm a skeptic and uh, I just wanted to say. Anonymous? Anonymous? I think you know what I'm referring to. Uh, the New York Times has uh, uh, published an, uh, an opinion piece uh, written by someone that is uh, said to be a high-ranking official, a top official in the uh, Trump administration. And the... the uh, this anonymous person, whoever they may be, and there's been lots of speculation as to who it might be, uh, they essentially were saying, uh, well, look, don't worry, there are adults in the room, we know this, and we're gonna, you know, we're, 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 keeping, we're keeping him distracted and making sure that he doesn't do any real damage. And the the reaction from others uh, uh, that I've seen on Facebook and even from the president, the former president of the United States, Barack Obama, he did a speech just recently. Uh, he, he, he said, suggested that, you know, you guys aren't accountable. Uh, and, and, you know, so, and others have said, you know, stand up and be counted. <laughs> resign and come out and say, look, this is what's going on in there. Don't be anonymous. But again, anonymous? See, the other thing is, now, I want to believe that the New York Times is on the up and up on this. Uh, on this, That they're not pulling something. Uh, that they're not doing some journalistic uh, trickery. Uh, or anti-journalistic trickery. I want to believe that they're on the up and up. But Whenever something's anonymous, it, you there's there ought to be just a slight amount of skepticism in in the direction that this anonymous might be a lie. And I I I don't think it is in this case. I think this is an actual person, and we will find out eventually. But it's just you. It's just you know. It's, it's hard to just go by anonymous. It, I, 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 just a little tiny, 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 tiny bit of skepticism. Just the tiniest bit. That it just wants. To, I want to know who it is, and it would pull a lot more weight if we knew who it was. And uh, eventually, I think we will. And and that's enough about that. Oh. Yay! I've got one of these. I don't think I've done one in a couple weeks. So let's just go right into it, right? Shall we? And now it's time for a Dimland Radio Pedantic Moment. Yeah. 
this ought to be good. All right. Uh, this one, <laughs> this pedantic moment, might just be me being dense. Uh, me just not getting it. Or being too... I don't know, too concerned about it when I should just really let it let it ride. It, it, it just might be that case. And there's a bit to unpack here. And I also have to warn you sternly that there are spoilers ahead. Uh, I'm going to talk about something in the, in the movie uh, uh, Steven Spielberg's classic film from 1977, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, the movie is 41 years old. If you haven't seen it, and you don't want me to spoil it, well, then stop listening right now and go watch it. How have you not seen it? I mean, if you're a kid, I suppose, you know, if you're young, you know. But if you're a person of a certain age, you should have seen this. Anyway, and if it doesn't bother you, I'm just I'm going to spoil the hell out of what happens at the end. Now you know the basic idea of the movie is that uh, that aliens appear to be visiting Earth, and there's the, the government is uh, uh, you know the, there's the aliens are contacting us. They're 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 imprinting normal everyday people with this need to get somewhere. That they don't under, quite understand. They just they they some of them are making the connection. Uh, Roy, uh, Richard Dreyfus plays Roy Neary. He's he's the main guy that we follow in the movie, and he has this obsession with this form that turns out to be Devil's Tower, which is a which is a natural formation, a volcanic thing. I think it is a formation out there in Wyoming, and it's really cool. I've been there three or four times really cool uh, uh, thing in nature. I mean, it just sits out there in Wyoming. It's a hilly, it's a bit hilly over there. Not quite mountainy, but hilly. And there's this 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 tower of stone just kind of sticking up. It's really, it's, it's, it's really cool. And maybe at the time in 1977 when the movie came out, it wasn't quite as popular a monument as it is now, or as it came to be, certainly after the movie. But it, it, it's there. It's, I think it was one of the first national monuments in the country. Maybe the first. Uh, it might have been the first. And, okay, so these people are implanted with this desire to get to Devil's Tower. Not everybody figures it out, but those that do, and you know, some of them get there. Roy Neary's one of them. And, and uh, Jillian something, uh, played by uh, Melinda Dillon, she gets there too, and... And the government doesn't want these people there. The government, of course, has to be all secretive and about all this kind of stuff. Now, and, and so there's this meetup with the aliens that happens. And ever since I saw it for the first time as a kid, I was, what, 12 or 13, to this day, I still don't quite get it about this whole music thing that they do in there. You know that the, the five note tune, na 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 na. You know that, da, 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 da. It plays over and over and over in there, right? The people hear this tune, they have it in their heads, and and it's it's some form of communication. Uh, and the government people are picking it up, and they're trying to figure out what to do with this. There's a there's a there's a group of um, 
oh, some sort of religious men in in India, I believe it is, that that they're all sitting in this field somewhere, and they're all, they're all singing those notes, and they're asked where that sound came from, and in a in great Spielberg fashion, they all point up at the sky at the same time and make a Hoo! sound. And I don't know if they're saying up there or whatever, but you know, there, and and it's, it's okay. So there's there's uh, what's his name, Francois Truffaut, who's more of a director than an actor, but he plays this fellow named Lacombe, who's in charge of this. Let's meet the aliens, the government thing. He he's on the side of the the people. He wants them to get the to go to see the aliens, but the government, the American government, doesn't want to let them. So okay. So anyway, he's he's in charge of figuring stuff out. So there's this there's this scene that takes place in the you know, I don't know in the Superdome or something like that. It's, it's this big old auditorium or stadium or something like that with just a few people in there. Some scientists, some military people, some the uh, the uh, the chosen the government chosen people that are going to go on the prisoner exchange thing and. And then he gets up on stage, and they play this music that the 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 the, 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 the holy guys over there in India are doing. And then they play just the notes, and and everybody's applauding at first, like this is okay, all right, they're applauding. I don't know why. And then Lacombe is up there, and, and he talks about this. There's this this um, uh, uh, group of people in the world that teach kids music and use hand gestures to help teach music. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's true. I don't know, but somehow, so he, he shows these gestures to the audience, and then they, he does the, the hand things as the music's playing. There's this guy sitting in the back that looks like he's in a complete daze playing the reel-to-reel tape thing, and Lacombe keeps doing the hand thing. You know, he does the hand thing, and they play the music, and I think there's another applause break. I just... I, what? Huh? This is what is it? What does it mean? We don't know what it means. Okay, but is the government not telling us something? And so, so we get to the to the to the big thing at the end there, right? The, uh, uh, Roy and and Jillian they get themselves, they get away, they elude the the army, and they they, they see the 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 air the 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 airfield that the that the government has built for these aliens to land. Hun? Why would they need an airstrip? But they built this thing on the other side of Devil's Tower, which, if you remember watching the movie, they're climbing over everything. They're climbing over these broken rocks, and they're they're just oh, it's so difficult to get there. And of course, I've been there. There's a walking path around the base of the uh, of the tower. I just just take the walking path. What are you, what are you guys doing? Anyway, uh, and anyway, so so they they're looking at this thing, and uh, all of a sudden, all these UFOs start showing up. These all lights and they, they float around, and their pictures are being taken of them. And all these scientist guys are recording everything and and doing you know film and video and whatever. And then the these three ships kind of hover in front of them, and they have a, a musician standing there at this this organ and. He starts playing these the notes. Okay, let's let's play the notes. Okay, he plays the notes. And on the behind him, they, they built this building that has these lights that light up that show you know where the notes are on the on the on the on the scale and and you know different colors and they light up. And so the guy plays the notes, plays them again, plays them again, plays them again until finally the three UFOs play them back, and then they leave, and everybody applauds. Hey, that was great. What what I mean. What did it mean? What happened? What goes? What's what happens now? I mean, there was. I went. I wanted the character saying, "Okay, now what?" <laughs> okay. Anyway, so then the big old mothership comes, 
which dwarfs the Devil's Tower thing, comes up and over it, flips over upside down, and then or right side up, I don't know. In space, there isn't such a thing, but in an atmosphere, there is. With gravity and all that, there's, you know, there is. But anyway, so it gets there, and and they lower down in front of the, the organ guy, and again, they start doing the music thing. Playing the notes, playing the notes, over and over. We keep playing, and the, the, the big ship just sits there, not doing anything, until finally it decides to throw off the last two notes of it so loudly it busts the glass of some control room up in the tower. Which, I don't know if that would happen, but what the hell, it's movies. And then they start playing more music. Now, I don't know how it is, because... The musician is standing there. He's told to play a certain number of quavers and another certain number of quavers, and followed by another certain quavers. And then one guy's writing down everything that the other that the UFO was as the spaceship is, is given. And and I'm I'm, I'm sitting there as a 13 year old or 12 year old, and now as a 53 year old, what what does that mean? How do they know? How do you know what to play back? Just how do you know? And, and so at some point, I mean, they're really going to town. The two, you know, the guy, the organ guy, he's just playing. He's just got to be improvising, I guess. And the and the UFO thing, there, he's it's it's playing, you know, all its notes. And until finally, at some point, some guy in a control tower says, "Okay, we're letting the computer take over." Bing, and the organ starts playing at a faster rate that that no that that three people couldn't play at. And so this thing's going. Right, and and at some point while the musician was still playing, he says, "What are we saying to each other? <laughs> Does anybody know what we're saying?" I mean, he's the one guy. He's the musician. He's saying, "What? What does any of this mean?" At least he at least questions it. And then some guy says, "Well, it's first day of school. Well, I, but what are we learning? I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're learning here. Um, it's it's just, I keep I kept watching that and thinking it, it still doesn't make any sense to me." It's I still I don't I still don't get it. All right, so then so then the 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 ship opens up. The, the music stops. All right, they they're done playing. I, apparently, we've learned their language, and th they're done playing, and then the thing opens up. You know, this little door opens, and the aliens must not have OSHA or their version of OSHA because that is not a very safe slope to walk down. You know, maybe for the alien people they get sticky feet or something like that. But for the people, look like they're taking a, a little, being a little careful there. Yeah, this just it just comes down as a as a slope that doesn't seem. And it, it and it, if they're going to be at that angle, they should at least have a rough surface. It looks like it's like this waxed linoleum floor or something like that. So that that could be slick. You could fall down that thing. Nobody does. But I don't know. How about steps? You guys figured out steps? <laughs> and so, anyway. I'll come all these people, and I'll talk about them after the after my next break. Uh, they all come out, and then and then so then um, um, the, the there's the the prisoner exchange happens. They give them Roy Neary, and they get back all the hostages that the the aliens had taken over the years, and 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 Roy goes off into the ship. And if you watch the the actual real version of the movie, the first version, you don't. He just goes. It's a special edition. They show you inside the ship, and then you have no idea what the hell happens in there. 
but he so he's off he goes and then this other little alien guy comes out that looks a lot like the kid in the movie and that was done on purpose it had to be and he goes up to to uh lacombe and he does the hand thing he's just heil, heil hitler and he does the little hand thing to the whatever and lacombe does it to him and they smile at each other and the alien turns and leaves and they go away what what, what did that mean i don't get it I love it. It's still, you know, it's one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. It's still, I still do enjoy it very much. But it's, it's, I, I, you know, it's a great movie, and maybe I shouldn't think so much about it. But I just, what did any of that mean? What did they learn? <sighs> well, one thing I've learned is I have to go to my next break. <laughs> You're listening to this, uh, <clears throat> Z, uh, Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll calm down, and I get, but I still got a little bit more to talk about this uh, uh, Close Encounters thing. So sit tight. Come on, turn, turn on the music. There we go. Everybody's talking, no one says a word. Everybody's making love, no one really cares. There's Nazis in the bathroom, just below the stairs. If this station's not your cup of tea, then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news, 100% information, 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest thing. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Dad, can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech Language Hearing Association. We're the station that beats all the competition. And we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. And not only that, 
talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, a 41-year-old movie, that, a 41-year-old movie that, I, you know, I, I know what you're saying. You know, Jim, it's just a movie. I know what you're saying. I, I know. But let's have a little fun. Indulge me. Okay, so now the next thing, this is a long pedantic moment, mind you, because there's lots of stuff to be pedantic about in here. This next thing. As I mentioned, the, the, uh, the aliens release their hostages, you know, these people they've been taking from us, and the, uh, the, the scientists, the humans, they seem to have known that this was going to happen. You know, the government's not telling us everything in this movie. Somehow they knew that the aliens were going to be giving back the people they stole. And, and, and how do I know that? They had a board set up with the pictures of all these people who have gone missing. And, it, and so, it's so as, as these people come off, you know, the, the first guy that comes over and introduces himself to Lacombe, He's one of the guys that disappeared in, in, in Flight 19, which is kind of strange that he ended up on a UFO because, or on a spaceship because they crashed in the ocean, because they ran out of fuel, because they went off course and they didn't know where they were going, and, you know, that's what happened. But, okay, in movie world, they were abducted by aliens and uh, held against their will for however many, what, uh, that was 1947 was the, that flight, so that's, that's 30 years that they were held hostage by the aliens, and or prisoner, however you want to look at it. Prisoner of war? Were we at war with them? I don't know. What did the government know? How did they know to have this big board of pictures? And then they'd have a guy, you know, as, as and they had a list. They got the list. They got a guy, he's got a clipboard with a list on it, and he's checking off the names. And he's putting it up there. And then some guy over the PA is announcing each of these people that come back. And so, so, and so, and so. But you know something? What he, sh what, you know, this, Spielberg should have done this because it would have been great. It should have just been tons and tons and tons of people coming off of there. You know? It should have been loads of people. They should have had Egyptians coming off. You know, from back when the aliens were helping the Egyptians build the pyramids. They must have taken some people then. I mean, how do you know who is missing? Who? The, how do they know whose pictures to have? I don't. That was another thing. That doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. God, this movie's stupid. No, no, no. <laughs> I like the movie. I do. I do. I think it's really good. It's really well made. It's it's great. But why would they have the board with the pictures? And that leads me to this last thing. When these folks were being given back to the to the planet Earth, you know, with no consideration at all for the families that have died, that grown and died, or moved on with their lives, and these guys got these guys come back after thirty years being gone, their families may you know their wives have moved on uh, or died, and it's like hey, thanks a lot, little guys, you guys are great, you know, thanks, you know, you guys all down here on 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 the on the starbase here. Uh, welcoming these aliens, our alien abductors, you know, thanks a lot, you know, because our lives are a little bit messed up now. <laughs> sure, we're still the, pretty much the same age we were when we left, because apparently we were traveling at light speed or close to light speed or faster than light speed the whole time we were gone. That don't make any sense either. But still, <laughs> still, they didn't age. Okay, and that leads me to something that happened in the movie that... When I was a kid, this line 
maybe think, whoa, that's deep, man. Wow, that's deep. Of course, I didn't sound like a hippie. Well, 77, I was 13, 12. Yeah, maybe I did sound like a hippie. Anyway, wow, that's deep. Um, but then, I just, Close Encounters was on TV just a couple weeks ago. And that's what got me into thinking about this, this little long rant that I've been going on. Uh, when these people are being returned and the, the Flight 19 guys are coming in, one of the scientists remarks to one of the other scientists or government people or whatever they were, he says, they haven't aged a bit. Einstein was right. And the other guy says, offhandedly, he says, Einstein was probably one of them. I'm sure he's referring to one of the aliens. And I, when I heard it now, at 53, I thought, hey, you know, up yours, pal. You know, stop denigrating the human species. We, you know, we're just, we, what are you saying? We can't have somebody as smart as Einstein? you saying that they have, well, it's got to be some space alien because there's no way a human being could be that smart. You know, that's kind of reflecting the whole idea about this ancient astronaut nonsense about they had to come down and build the pyramids for the Egyptians because the Egyptians weren't smart enough to build them. They weren't ingenuitive enough. They weren't ingenious enough. Is ingenuitive a word? They just, they couldn't figure out how to do it. I mean, we've got like 300 years worth of them figuring out how to build a pyramid before they built the great big pyramids. You know, they, we've got them. They, they're still around. Didn't the aliens know how to do it from the beginning? Or did they show up and say, hey, I see you guys are trying to build a pyramid. Here, here's how to do it. <laughs> what? I, you know, and then, oh, you don't mind if we abduct a couple of you. We want to drop you guys off in 1977. That would really mess them up. Can you imagine how messed up somebody, some Egyptian would, ancient Egyptian would be if they shows up now in 1977 or back, well, then in 1977? Can you imagine? What if they had brought some, you know, some Neanderthals? You know, why not? <laughs> you know, we've been we've been taking all kinds of things. We've been showing up here for a long time. <sighs> I guess you just have to believe that they just showed up in 1947 when Kenneth Arnold saw the flying saucers. All right, enough about that. Thank you. Thank you for indulging me. I saw this uh, recently, um, this news thing. It, it, you guys know who Jeffrey Owens is? He's an actor. And uh, he, he, he played Elvin, a character named Elvin, on The Cosby Show. Which you know, He was on the show, I think, for like something like seven seasons, I think it was, the IMDb said. And... Um, he was spotted recently working at a Trader Joe's. And, and, it, and it, was, it, was, it was kind of a surprise to people that, wait a minute, you were on the Cosby show. Don't you have any of that Cosby money? You don't you, have, you know, you're, you're, what are you doing? What the hell happened? And that's, you know, life happened. You know, you, you don't always just always have the gravy train just because you got on TV for a while. Yeah, it, it was a big break for him. Uh, I bring it up because... Um, a Facebook friend shared something that was uh, written and posted to Facebook by uh, she's a stand-up comic and a writer and an actor. Uh, her name is Leanne Lord. And she doesn't have a lot of IMDb, uh, IMDb credits, but she's got a couple. And uh, she's, you know, she's done things as herself. She's got a few of those, but you know. Um, and she talks about being a stand-up uh, comedian and that you know, sometimes you don't get a lot of gigs. Sometimes you got to work another job or two to keep 
the lights on, to pay the rent, to get food. You know, and she puts it to have, you know, she likes to, she says she, she likes to have, you know, some nice clothes or, or some cute clothes and nice things once in a while and some pretty things like health care. That's, that's what she said in her piece. I'll try to post it. Well, I'm not sure if I can. But um, I saw that and I thought about me, you know, of course, I'm a narcissist, so I thought about me. I'm an artist. I do portraits. I do cartooning. I do illustration work. Uh, I don't do a lot of work. I don't get a lot of pay. I don't get paid. I don't get a lot of paying gigs doing that. Um, yeah, I think most of it may be that I don't pound the pavement enough. Yeah, probably, but I, you know, I got a friend who's very talented. He does do a lot more work in the business, but boy, he struggles. He struggles, and it's tough. And that's also part of you know, pay your artist. If you're going to hire an artist, be prepared to pay them. Don't. Whatever you do, don't tell them. Do it for exposure, because as my my friend Craig uh, exposed me to this phrase, uh, the response to "do it for exposure." Uh, he, he didn't come up with it. He said he heard it somewhere. But it's you know when somebody says, "Well, do it for exposure," and you just turn and say, "Well, you know, people die from exposure." Anyway, that and I thought that was great. That's brilliant. I'm going to say that from now on. Anyway, um, that got a little discussion going. And 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 to the internet's credit, there were some people that that were job shaming him. They they put it that way. But to the internet's credit, most people were saying, "Look, the guy's got to work. The guy's got you know you you don't always get something." He I looked at his IMDb page. He's got some credits on there. He's done some stuff, but it's usually over the years since Cosby went off the air. But it's usually like a one-time appearance on a TV show, and he does maybe two or three of those in a year. And there might be a year or two where he doesn't do anything, or at least there's nothing on the IMDb. And and I guess he's you know now that he's become a story, uh, Tyler Perry I think is I saw something about him offering him something in a in, in some show, uh, or you know just now he'll get some offers. And oh, hey, wait a minute, let's get this guy in here. Look how cool we are. You know, because that's there's a part, there's a bit of that, but you know the guy's got to work, and and it also reminded me. And I commented on it, and I said, you know, I usually make this joke uh, about my situation when when doing, you know, when it comes to being a cartoonist and uh, and the other things that I am artistically, I make this joke, and that is that I make just enough money from my cartooning to have to be a uh, uh, office manager, you know, to work full time as an office manager for a janitorial service, and I also work part time as a janitor, and I also work part time at a comic book store, and I brought up the point that this, this, th this is why I. It, it reminded me that uh, why I stopped listening to the Adam Carolla podcast. Because Adam Carolla, uh, who I think is very funny, I like a lot of his ideas, not everything, but you know, he's got I. You know, and I find I found his podcast to be entertaining, and there's other reasons why I gave up on it. But I gave up on it because I got tired of hear, hearing this this you know I'm I'm rich because I work hard bullshit. I got tired of it. You know, I work hard. I work three jobs. My three jobs combined in a year will not earn me as as much as as Corolla will get doing a few live shows. You know, and that's. He's in a business that pays really well, but for every one of him, there are hundreds of funny people that are struggling to make it, that are working other jobs in order to pay for what they need to pay for. So I thought the re reaction was really good, and we, we press on, we do what we do. I, I do stuff that's mainly for me. 
<laughs> that's I'd just do it. Um, anyway, so before I get too deep into that, why don't I work into talking about the three cool things for this week? And that is kind of a cool thing. The reaction to that situation with Jeffrey Owens, you know, to, and and to learn that it's just because you've been on TV a couple of times or many times doesn't mean that 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 the business is always there. You know, as the great Gilderoy Lockhart once said, fame is a fickle friend. And, yeah, you know, would you, but you've been on TV. Right, well, I'm not on TV now. And, you know, and, and sure, the, and the residuals for the Cosby show, I'm sure, uh, are gone now because nobody's showing it anymore. At least I don't think they will. Maybe it'll come back at some point in some time. Maybe you can still buy the discs, DVD discs, or, or buy a down the street a download for it. But who knows what uh, Owen's deal was for residuals? It might have been for ten years you will get residuals, or it might be in, in, in uh, you know for perpetuity till you die, whatever. But I don't know how it was. So you know you got to live. You got to pay the rent. What are you gonna do? So don't job shame somebody. All right, three cool things. First, uh, we went and saw the Maltese Falcon, uh, the 1941 version with Humphrey Bogart and uh, Peter Lorre and Mary Astor and Sidney Greenstreet, and it was wonderful. We went and saw it on a, on a biggish screen, not a huge screen, but you know, in an art house kind of movie theater that shows re uh, uh, revival films and art films and foreign films and things that you're not gonna you know get at your regular movie theaters. And uh, Amy and Hayden and I went, and Hayden liked it, and I liked it, and we met up with a, a fellow that I know from the Minnesota Skeptics. His name is Dave, and his girlfriend, Rachel. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's his girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> and we met up with them and watched it and enjoyed it and talked a little bit about it afterward, and it was cool. And um, that was cool. And then the, the cool thing number two, uh, speaking of doing artwork, I did a piece of art for my younger brother, Steve. Uh, some months ago, I asked him... Uh, if I had done any artwork for him, have I, I said, have I ever given you some artwork? Because I gave artwork to my older brother, and, and I've given artwork to my sister, and to my parents. Uh, you know, I've been paid. My sister paid me for some piece of art. Uh, so, it, but I thought I don't think I've done anything for Steve. So I asked him, have I ever done any artwork for you? And he said, no, I don't think so. And he said, no, you haven't. And I said, I said, well, think of something. And so back on Memorial Day, he asked me to do a tattoo design for him and and the design is he says it's you, you see this big eyeball of a dragon looking from inside my body as he's clawing his way out and you see the claws ripping through the flesh so i did up a sketch i showed it to him and he said yeah like that so i finished the art it's up on my facebook page i'll put it on the show notes page which you can get to by going to dimland.com and clicking on the blog option and uh and and check it out. I'll put it up there for the show notes. And so now I, I can do that because I've given him the art. And so I haven't seen the tattoo yet. I don't know if he's had it done yet. But uh, so I done that, and that was cool. And his reaction was, and he liked it, which is cool. And I also gave him another piece of art that I found that I had done three years ago, and it was just sitting in a folder somewhere. And I thought hey, he might like to have this too. So I gave him that as well. And then the third cool thing is uh, I mentioned this before that it was really cool in the cool things. I don't know, was it last week? Uh, it might have been. Uh, no, it's not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, the other cool thing that I that happened was um, I got the John Byrne Artifact Edition 
artwork book. It's a large format book of comic book art by this artist named John Byrne. The inker that works with them through most everything in there, just one page is a different inker. Uh, is, his name is Terry Austin. And uh, it's just brilliant, brilliant artwork. It's black and white. It you know, doesn't have the color for it. There's one page that shows the color mock-up for a page, but it's just, oh, it is so cool. It's just, I, I love it. And uh, it's great. So, and I got it for a pretty good price, too. So what are you gonna what do you what do you what do you say about that? Good no, night. No, you don't say that. Yes, you do. Good night, Frau Blucher. Got to the end of another show. Thank you for indulging me and in talking about close encounters and being pedantic about it and all that kind of stuff. And uh, remember to be skeptical and that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to. Sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for, for tuning us in. What? 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 Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.